So good morning, Eastside family. This morning, I'm going to share some readings and some words that are going to set the stage for us to have communion together nearer the end of the service. And so to those of you who are live streaming with us, we are so delighted and honored that you're with us. We want you to participate with us. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to go ahead and get your um, home version of, of your communion emblems ready so you can participate with us in that. We're going to be following the story, the story of Jesus making his way to the cross and then the story of Jesus on the cross. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be working through Luke chapter 23. We're going to begin this morning in verse 13. We're basically picking up the story as Jesus is coming to the end of his painful trial with Pilate. Luke 23, 13. Pilate called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, and he said to them, You brought this man as one who is inciting the people to rebellion. I've examined him in your presence, and I've found no basis for your charges against him. Neither is Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing. He has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, away with this man. Release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting, can you imagine this? Wanting to release Jesus. But he didn't. Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time, he spoke to them, but why? What crime has this man committed? I found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I'll have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. So just let me get this straight. Barabbas was set free. He was an insurrectionist. Now, what's an insurrectionist? You remember the story, how can you forget the story of those people that went upon our capital on January 6th? You remember the story on television, those pictures of those people who were with violence rioting and burning buildings in Seattle and Portland and even here in Denver and other cities in our nations? That's insurrection. That's treason. That's Barabbas. But there was more. He was, a, he was a murderer. He had killed somebody. And you're going to let him go free. And in his place, you're going to condemn this man, Jesus, of whom he was found by the governmental authorities to be innocent of all the charges against him. Yeah. I think, had I been Barabbas, 
what must have been going through his mind? Like one minute you're on death row, the next minute the doors are open and you're walking the streets a free man. And you just want to read the story and go, that is wrong, that is unfair, that is not right. Where is justice until you realize we are Barabbas. That's our story. God made him who knew no sin to be sent for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. That we might walk free. And as I'm reading this story for the first time ever, I actually wondered this thought. Is the cross that Jesus was crucified, was that originally intended for Barabbas? Because he was getting ready to be executed. Likely crucified. Did Jesus take the cross that was intended for Barabbas? Jesus did take the cross, the punishment that was intended for me. And I walk free. Verse 28. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country. And they put the cross on him made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? I mean, it's pretty obvious that Simon didn't have this on his schedule for the day. What must it have been like for him? One minute this man from Cyrene, which is modern-day Tripoli, Libya, has come to Jerusalem for whatever business he had. The next minute, he's following behind Jesus, carrying his cross. After that was over, what, like, how, how did that affect him? It just doesn't seem like you can, okay, well, what was I going to do next? How could you walk away from that unchanged? I find it interesting, this is speculation, but I do find it interesting. Mark tells us in his parallel account of this story, when he mentions Simon, he mentions Simon's two sons, Rufus and Alexander, which tells us more than likely Rufus and Alexander were well known to the community of the Christians, which likely means Rufus and Alexander were believers and followers of Jesus. So I can't help but wonder, did this moment so impact Simon, that it brought him to faith, and thus he passed that faith on to his sons, as Mark mentions them. And of course, you, you can't miss the obvious in this story. 
what Simon's doing here, following behind Jesus, carrying the cross, you just hear, you hear Jesus' call to discipleship. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. Follow me. And so today, as we, we take the emblems of the bread and the cup that represent Jesus' death on the cross, may we hear Jesus' call to step out of the sidelines, to step out of the crowd, and to take up our cross, to die to self, to die to our will, to die to our ambitions, and actually to literally be willing to give our lives for the cause of Jesus Christ. You see, Simon was forced to carry the cross. We have a choice. And then I do think it's interesting that to these women who were weeping as they saw Jesus, Jesus says to them, no, don't, don't cry for me. If you're going to cry, cry for yourselves and what's ahead of you. And I'm thinking, wow, I mean, this must have been for them so emotional to see and to experience. But Jesus lets us know the purpose of the story is more than just to induce sympathy Jesus, to stop and to look at our own lives, to look at the condition of our lives, to look at the condition of our world, to look at our desperate need and the desperate need of this world for faith in Jesus Christ. So in these words, Jesus is saying, as you take communion this morning, Look upon your own life and hear the call to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Verse 32, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching. And the rulers even sneered at him. They said he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. So you're telling me, you're telling me that for those who are dividing up your clothes, that's, that's humiliating because it's leaving you naked or nearly. You're telling me for them, you're telling me for those that were just standing and watching but not helping, you're telling me for those 
were sneering at you? For those who were mocking you? You're telling me for those who were actually in the moment driving the nails through your hands and your feet, you're telling me you're asking the Father to forgive them? None of them apologized. I didn't read an apology. None of them said, whoa, wait, we are sorry. What are we doing? We need to stop this. And I understand that forgiveness, all right, is part of the story. But how do you forgive them for this? <laughs> you ever ask that? And then, well, what do you mean they don't know what they're doing? Of course they knew what they were doing. Or did they? Did they understand the severity of their actions? Did they realize whom they were mocking, whom they were killing? Well, I guess I have to ask that for myself as I start today and to take communion. Do I understand what I'm doing? Do I understand the severity of my actions? Do I understand the severity of my sin? Do I understand that my actions and my sin are ultimately against Him, the Son of God, that placed Him on the cross? And so really as I find myself asking, how could you forgive them for this? Another really fair question could be, how could he forgive me? But he did. He did. And so you've got to follow the journey that... As I in turn consider those who have hurt me so deeply, and there are some, and I think, how can I ever forgive them? The answer is, is, is he has forgiven me. That's what we're remembering here, isn't it? And I don't believe Jesus is saying, let them off the hook, just forget it, God, it's really not that big a deal. I don't think that's what he's asking for, but he's asking the Father to forgive them. But could it be that he's praying that their participation and their observation of this moment will just lead them to a broken realization of what they have done and of what they are doing and of who Jesus really is? And I'm kind of wondering, is that exactly what happened as you go further into the story? Matthew helps us out with this. Upon Jesus' death, it wasn't one centurion it was multiple soldiers who stood back and said surely he was the son of God they figured it out were those the same soldiers who just a bit earlier what would have been six hours earlier were they the same ones mocking and sneering and driving the nails through his hands? And so therefore, is this, a, is this an example of Jesus' prayers for them to be forgiven or actually in this moment? 
being answered as they came to a sobering reality of what they had done to the Son of God. So as we take this morning these emblems representing the body and the blood on the cross, may we be reminded of and understand the extremity of our sin against Him that put Him on the cross and the extremity even greater of His grace and love that cries out for our forgiveness. But also, as we consider those who've hurt us, may we carry that same forgiveness to others as we have been forgiven by Him. That's communion. Verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. <laughs> What's that about? Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you're under the same sentence, we are punished justly for what, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, today you will be with me paradise so it's that easy <laughs> you can just like live your life whole life as a criminal in rebellion and then right at the moment when when you're being justly executed for the crimes you've committed in your dying breath, you can turn and say, oh, help, save me. And you could be saved? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You mean, you mean I can start work at 11 at night, and once work is over at 12 midnight, and then you're going to pay me as though I worked all day? Yeah, that's right. You mean, you mean I can, I can just say forget God, I'm out of here and go so far from God and sin and rebel. And when I've hit the bottom of the rock bottom of my life, all due to my actions, I can get up and I can just walk back to God and, and He will welcome me, He will embrace me, He will kiss me, and He will throw a party for me, no questions asked, just like that? Yeah. Now, Upon this criminal saying to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, it just seems like Jesus would say, oh, really? Really? Seriously, like, now, now you're interested. 
dude I'm sorry it's too late you should have thought about this a long time ago but instead he said today you will be with me in paradise just like that but wait this guy has done nothing to make up for all of the bad and it's a lot he's done nothing to make up for all of the bad that he's done that's right he can't but neither can you no matter how much good you try to do to make up for all the bad that you've done you will never do enough good to make up for the bad to make yourself good before God no one can that's why he came to the earth and by a perfect life and by a sacrificial death did for us what we could never do for ourselves it's kind of like that same feeling I have whenever I, I witness a baptism it's like that's all that's it's just like that there's got to be more. It's too quick. It's too easy. It's, there's got to be something more that you do. But you've got to understand that when you're baptized, it's not really something you do. If you've ever watched, you don't do anything. Someone else is doing it for you. And it's in that moment that you accept and receive what Jesus already did by his death and his burial and his resurrection. So you mean, you mean I can come here today after all that I have done in living a life so far from God. I can come here today after what I have done this week, what I have done yesterday and this morning, perhaps. And like this guy, this criminal on the cross, I can turn to Jesus in brokenness and faith and I can leave today with assurance of hope and forgiveness yeah today are Jesus words now now a hard part of this story to swallow is the other guy He's like, just dug in. There's some of us that are here that are just like this guy. So dug in in rebellion and pride and defiance that the story today will end rejecting Jesus again. He was, you are, he was so close. So close. But so far. So for those of us who are already Christians, communion is a time for us to, to give thanks to God for doing for us by his life and his death what we could never do for ourselves, just like this guy. And for those of us not yet Christians, communion is, is an invitation to come to the table to receive the bread and the cup and to receive and accept by faith what he did for you in your place by a sacrifice his body and his blood on the cross it, it's just like that 
I, I would like to ask now that our shepherds who are here today to make themselves available to receive people for prayer at this table, these two sections here. As we prepare to take communion, we want this today to be a time of quiet reflection instead of talking to one another. And the exception to that would be to, if you would like to reach out to one of our shepherds um, to pray with them, then that would, that would be wonderful. I have some shepherds that are hunting some that are out of town. I have one that's back in the, uh, with the children doing junior worship. Isn't that wonderful? So we're short, as you can see, of shepherds. I think I've just got one. I don't know where the others are. And so as we go for prayer, you don't just have to be an elder or a shepherd to pray. If, as we go to, for communion, if, if you know someone that needs your prayers or if you're someone who needs prayers, I want to ask you to, this is a great time to pray together. We want this to be our, our, our prayer time as well. And those of you that are live streaming, we mean that for you as well. You have most of our phone numbers and email addresses. Text us, call us, email us, um, or someone. Let this be a time of prayer to uh, encourage one another and to carry one another's burdens. Would you join me in prayers as we prepare to take the bread and the cup together? Father, as we soak in all that we just read and as we reflect on this story of your journey to the cross and on the cross, we see reflections of our own life stories in Barabbas and Simon of Cyrene and these women who were sorrowfully mourning for we receive reflections of our own lives of those who were there who were carrying out the crucifixion. We see reflections of our stories of the two criminals by your side. So we ask that in this moment you show us our part in the story. Show us what this means for us in application for our lives practically and personally. That's, that's your work, Spirit. I trust you in that. And so as we prepare to take these emblems representing your body and blood given for us, we hear and we receive these closing words in Luke's gospel of this incredible story. It was now about noon. Darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. And so we, we remember, we give thanks to you in this moment as we take the bread and the cup. Amen. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. 
like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.